0: Time for the SBL Shootaround, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all-time great and two-time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL Shootaround. Hello and welcome to SBL Shootaround for this week. All of a sudden, we're getting close to the halfway mark already of the West Coast Classic Randy. It seems remarkable to think that only a month ago, we were looking forward to the start of it, but all of a sudden, we're getting getting towards the halfway mark. A lot of the clubs have played half their games already, so episode 12, and we'll wrap up round four of the West Coast Classic. We'll, of course, preview round five, and we'll name our Wandering Distillery Player of the Week once again, and, and some terrific candidates already, and hopefully our winners already have been enjoying their their. Their wonderful awards, thanks to Wandering Distillery. So we will name our player of the week once again. And also a very special guest, somebody who had a tremendous playing career both at the national level and the state league level, and she's now creating quite the legacy for herself as a coach. So plenty to look forward to on episode 12 of SBL shootaround. I'm Chris Pike, Randy Meagle, the legendary Goldfield <laughs> Giants superstar. <laughs> Mandra Magic coach, who you're still heartbroken that you didn't quite get a championship, <laughs> but it wasn't your fault. You did everything you could to win a championship for that Mandra Magic team. Thanks for joining me once again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, and there's some uh, interesting results on the weekend that have mm. thrown a lot of life into this competition. We've seen the you know the Lakeside Lightning mm-hmm. lose two games on the weekend, and um, you know I think it's uh, the Wolves have uh, you know continue their good form, but uh, yeah, it just. Really uh, could see, I suppose, some upsets in yep. one way in the comp because it was looking a little bit... Uh predictable well
0: it's um, amazing the same week you said that you wouldn't tip against Lakeside again until they lose again no, and they lo-
1: lose twice I'm the kiss of death <laughs> <laughs> so no great great individual performances by some girls on the weekend too so it's going to make this uh, player of the week choice hard
0: yeah it will now before we move on to this week's show I, I, we had a great time last week and the feedback's been sensational from our show last week we where we, we not only had two special guests but we were joined for the whole show by, by Vince Kelly and Desiree Kelly it was a it was a lot of fun to have them in the studio here with us um hopefully they enjoyed it and hopefully you all enjoyed their insights as well but um to have a a family legacy like they have and to share the insights that they did it was a I learned a lot about them both and had a lot of fun talking to them both
1: yeah I'd obviously met Vince before and had had some chats you know quite a bit you know going right back to 92 and stuff like that you know when we played against each other but I hadn't had a lot to do with Desiree you Mm -hmm. know and uh yeah, she's a fantastic girl and speaks really, really well yeah. and, you know, and like I said, Vince should be proud of the way he's mm. brought her up and just, you know, talking about Vince, one thing I didn't mention there is is the amount of points he's scored and as the SPL leading scorer yeah. of all time, I just can't see it, it being broken. No, he's
0: um, almost 10,000, I think it's 9,400 and Yeah, and 50 something. or something, it's yeah. just
1: going to be there for a long time. I mean, you try and think of some of the active players in the league and I don't know how far they're behind you know like a Gavin Field or someone like that but someone's going to have to put up some huge numbers to break it
0: (laughs) absolutely it's like Jared Pree's rebounding record it's just something and probably Doc Earl Steele's record Mm. they're probably going to last forever
1: yeah fantastic bloke
0: absolutely so yeah thanks again to Vince and Desiree Kelly for coming into the studio with us last week we very much appreciate it our special guest for this week Randy this is a woman who you spent some years coaching against you coached in a grand final against her and she's having a lot of success as current coach at the Perry Lakes Hawks and, and, you know, hopefully is now starting to transition into the WNBL level. But as a player, she's a two-time championship winner in the WNBL. She played for the Australian Opals. She's an SBL MVP. Um, she won championships everywhere she played, in other state leagues across Australia plus over in Europe. This is a woman with quite a story to tell.
1: Yeah, Deanna Black's going to join us um Tonight, we tried to get her on a little bit earlier in the season, but uh, uh, she's been good enough to give her some of her time. She's a busy lady, and uh, absolutely, yeah, she was one of those girls that I really enjoyed watching play, you know, um, you know, back in her days in Adelaide and and you know, also her early days in the in the uh, in the links, yeah. you know, so she was really good, really, really good to, to to watch play, and um, yeah, look forward to throwing some questions at her.
0: Absolutely, the thing I loved watching about her play was that. She was just such a natural. You you don't see a lot of, no disrespect, but you don't see a lot of women in the women's competition that just are natural basketball players with that coordination and skills to, to almost play like a man in a lot of ways. And I, and I hope that doesn't come across the wrong way. But you, you know what I mean, where she just has all the natural ability. She handles the ball so well. She would create her own shot. Um, she would just take over a game. She had that mentality as well where she wouldn't let herself ever lose a game. She would never give up on a game. And she wanted to be the best player on the court every time she was out there. And that was right up until her very last game in the semifinals in 2016. She still had that same mentality right right
1: until the end. Yeah, re- really well balanced and smart and sees the floor well. You know, great shooter. Yeah. And just having a look at her stats here from, you know, her, her playing career in the SBL was 24 points a game, eight rebounds, you know, four and a half assists. Two two and a half still. So
0: and half of those were as a playing coach. And yeah, too.
1: yeah, yeah. She done everything. and, and what a best season there in two thousand and nine. She had th- averaged thirty two <laughs> points a game. <laughs> yeah, so. unbelievable. Yeah,
0: what would you like to coach against? When you would coach against her, even though she was at the back end of her career in those Perry Lakes years. Did you have to put everything into stopping her? Was she the main focus?
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. When she was playing, yeah, Mm. she was. But uh, just, you know, just the coaching, um, first comer across Deanna when she was coaching the Coburn Cougars and – didn't have much luck against her there. I think yep. she had a had it up up on me there, and okay. then also when she went over to the Hawks, and she just you know she would just throw things at you out of the blue, and you mm. just think, geez, that's a great move, you know, and mm. it, it done its job, you know, whatever yep. it might have been, it might have been a that's some sort of press or a zone or you know just a, a change up in in whatever personnel, you know, but uh, really smart, and and yeah, I love I love coaching against her.
0: Oh, very good. So really looking forward to speaking to her later on on SBR around this week. Now let's get to our Wandering Distillery Play of the Week, Randy. And we had lots of candidates from the, the, the round four action across Friday and Saturday night. So as usual, I'll run through some of the candidates and you can let me know your thoughts. Friday night, Maddie Allen for the Perth Redbacks. She flirted with a triple-double, so she's getting to some of her best form. Fifteen points, ten rebounds, and eight assists. Then we had Jodie Sante for the Coburn Cougars. They they broke through for for a win. And as we've talked about before, she she's just such a warrior, but such a consistent player. 12 points, 6 steals, 5 assists, and 2 rebounds. And probably the most consistent player across the league so far over the first four rounds. Even though her Lakeside team lost both games this weekend. She she still still played pretty well. Ash Eisenbarger, 12 points and 14 rebounds on Friday night against Rockingham, and then 19 points, eight rebounds against Kalamunda on Saturday. Taya Burrows, the point guard at the Rockingham Flames, she had a huge weekend. 26 points, six assists, five rebounds, and 12 with 13 from the foul line in the win on Friday night against Lakeside, and then backing up the next night against East Perth. 19 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. She didn't miss from her 3-point attempts and also didn't miss from the foul line either. Um, but she got some good help. Her teammate, Christina Bogue, she had 12 points and I think 6 rebounds on Friday night and then 21 points, 12 rebounds, 5 steals, and 4 assists on Saturday. Kayla Steindl, she beat up on the poor Mandra Magic on On Saturday Saturday night, Randy, 16 points, 9 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 assists, 2 blocks for the Joondalup Wolves. And also Nashaya Williams, her teammate, 15 points and 5 assists. The Calamaria Eastern Suns had a good win on Saturday night against Lakeside, and, and their two WNBL stars were the standouts. Jesse Edwards, 22 points and 11 rebounds, and Jewel Williams, 16 points. And then we had the Perry Lakes Hawks as well. They had... They had a good win on the weekend down in Eden against the Slammers. Nat Burden, 12 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists. And Maddie Dennis, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. As always, you've had a look
1: through all the results as well. Did I, did I miss anybody? No, you've got everyone covered there. It's a pretty impressive list of players there. Mm. Those girls are... All starting to hit form, I think. You know, Maddie Allen's been consistent. Jody Sonte, Ash Eisenberg, you know. Christina Boe, good to see her probably have her, you know, best game yep. for the season. So she's starting to hit her straps. Steindl's done what she she normally does. You know, she's... Um, filled up the stat sheet, and the say, William, she had a good game. So, and Jessie Edwards, you know, she would have been mm. battling against Eisenbarger and Ironmonger there, and yeah. she, she's had a huge game, which has given them the win. So, we need to make a decision. Yeah, this
0: is a, this is probably the toughest it's been mm. so far, thanks to Watering Distillery for making making this happen. Obviously, I'm I'm going to narrow it down to three to start with and see what you think. So, I think I think Taya Burrows from her double act, um, Jessie Edwards for her game for Kalamunda, and probably Maddie Allen to, to almost get a triple double playing as a as a centre is a is a pretty good effort.
1: Yeah, they're the three that I've picked. You know, they're up against quality opposition. Maddie's up against Williton Tigers yep. and, you know, Taya had her game against the Lightning and, you know, Jesse Edwards, like I just mentioned, those couple of players that she was up against was mm. tough opposition, so uh, yep, those three are the <laughs> Okay, so the th- three.
0: Th- that's the top three. <coughs> yep. And just a, an extra note, as you touched on last week at the end of the show, we will be casting our 3-2-1 votes for every round as well and be having a Play of the Year award at the end of the season as well. So th- those will be the those will be the three players getting votes this week. Now mm. it's just a matter of what order they're going to go in. Yeah. Um, I I saw Taya Burrows in person on Friday night and and she – is now playing basketball at a level that is almost ab- above everybody else on the court. Her, her first step is now incredibly quick and I don't think she's 100% healthy. She might be carrying some sort of a lower leg injury and she's still able to do what she's doing. Um, we saw what she did last year and that was coming off, as we've talked about, she had glandular fever not long before she helped Rockingham win the championship last year and she had a broken arm mm. not long before that and she was still able to be outstanding. She still went on to have a really good WNBL season. And she just, she looks like she's gone to another level. She looks like a player that's not 18 years of age. And to me, she's somebody ready to play big WNBL minutes this upcoming season. So I can't go past Taya Burrows for her two games this weekend.
1: Yep, I agree. I've gone for Tao Burrows. Um, The percentage she shot the ball at as as well was really good. I think for the whole weekend she was, what, 18 or 19 from the free throw. (laughs) Yeah. So she was efficient and, um, you know, the opposition, you know, was tough so she gets my vote as well. So the wandering distillery player of the week is Tao Burrows. And luckily
0: she's just old enough to be able to receive our prize. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's remarkable to think she's only yeah, 18 years of age still. I, I mean, I it feels like she's been around for a long time because we've been watching her play in the SBL since she's probably yeah, 14. She, yeah, you're correct. But it's correct. remarkable to to now see her develop into the into the
1: player she is. Yeah, and you know those other two girls, Jessie and Maddie, were probably unlucky in one way that her tyres had a weekend yeah. like that because they they both had great games as well. And what does she win for this week, Randy? Uh, She's got a $50 gift voucher for the, at the National Hotel in Fremantle. Mm-hmm. So she can go down there and take her father and mum down there and maybe shout them a, a counter mill down there.
0: Not far from Rockingham, so it's a good spot. Yep. So thanks to Wandering Distillery for making that happen. Well done to Taya Burrows. And when we come back, we'll have a look at all of the results in a bit more detail from round four of the West Coast Classic. Okay, back on SBL Shootaround, and now that we've named our Wandering Distillery Player of the Week, well done to Taya Burrows, let's get into the results from Round 4 in a bit more detail. Starting Friday night, the game that we spoke to Desiree Kelly about last week, and she mentioned she didn't necessarily like playing at Belmont Oasis, and and this game probably backed that up. Both Redbacks 77
1: beat the Willard and Tigers 66 yeah, great spread of points for um, the Redbacks, um, and you know, great game by Matty Allen. Fifteen points, ten rebounds, eight assists. The Tigers just seem to be inconsistent um, mm. quarter by quarter. You know, yeah. I think they're letting themselves down. They have uh, outstanding quarters, and then they just you know might score six or eight yeah. in the next quarter, and so they just need to get some some consistency in their game. I mm. think they
0: do. Um, Running out of time now. They, that would leave them still only with one win for the for the season. I think so. They're they're starting to fall a bit behind. One and four now for yeah for the Tigers. Um. Yeah. Also Friday night Coburn Cougars. They travelled out to Mirabuka, got the win, sixty six
1: to forty seven over. East Perth Eagles? Yeah, the first win and led by Hayley D'Souza and Jody Sonte. One thing I noted is that Eagles only had six free throws. Mm. So um, something was going on there. They weren't attacking the basket Mm. or getting calls or whatever. That's really low. Um, They had 33 turnovers, which obviously hurt them. Double double to Erin Fisher. And another good game by last week's MVP in Brie Fisher. She had 11 points and eight rebounds.
0: Then uh, the other game on Friday night, this was always going to be a fascinating game and I was there for this one between two teams that hadn't lost yet and in the end the Rockingham Flames dominated probably the last quarter and a bit and and it was was how smart they were by getting into position defensively and just allowing the lakeside players to play out of control, run them over and I reckon there was at least six or seven either turnovers or offensive fouls just because of the smart defence that the Rockingham players were playing. It was a really impressive way way to go about and then once Taya Burrows got the ball up up the other end with, with it in her hands, she just made the right decision on every, every possession. So the Rockingham Flames, 72, handed
1: Lakeside Lighting their first loss, 54. Yeah, well, I tipped Lakeside, you know, and I said I wouldn't tip yeah. against them. So <laughs> not, it's not a surprise. I mean, Rockingham are a quality side and haven't lost either. So, you know, Burrows was outstanding, as we've spoken about. But uh, that last quarter... You know, 25 to 6 has been the difference mm. and they've just run over the top of them. But one thing I noted, it was uh, the lakeside shooting over the weekend. I think Steve Bazan will be spending a lot of time on on shooting mm-hmm. this week the 4 of 33 for 12% from the three-point line, yeah. uh, 58% at the free throw line and 26%, you know, overall on the field. So, yeah, very un-lakeside-like. It is, especially mm. on the home floor. Yes.
0: Saturday night, first up, down in, down in Eden, Perry Lakes Hawks. 88, too good for the Southwest Slammers, 52.
1: Yeah, this game was over early. It was 23-7 20 to, to at quarter time. I mean, Hawks had five girls in double-figure scoring and Burton continues you know, her good form. I think one shining light for the Slammers was uh, Catherine Wacott had 15 points, um, yeah. which is good to see. Do you know much about her? I don't know. But uh, that's what um, the Slammers will want to get out of this type of stuff is is games like that from, you know, developing players. Yeah.
0: So. And down in Mandurah, the scoreline is pretty ugly. Lot Wolves 80 beat the Mandria Magic 36. Was the game as ugly as that score suggests?
1: Oh, I just think the, the Wolves just strangled the Magic, you know, in the defensive end. They they only had 54 shots for the game at mm-hmm. 22%, you know, yeah. so they couldn't find an avenue to the basket to, to break through the Wolves' defense. You know, the Wolves shot 54% from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Naseya Williams and Izzy Miotti were really effective in that three position, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I, they were really impressive, the Wolves. They all had good games and Mandra just struggled, you know, to find a way to the basket. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, we're going to see some of those results when we've got a Wolves team virtually fielding an SBL-level team and a Mandra team that, as we talked about, is, is just remarkably young and undersized, which is certainly emphasised when you've got, got Seindal and Amberland on, on the opposition. Yeah. Um, Rockingham Flames backed up their win on Friday. Back at home, they beat the East Perth Eagles 87-70. to 70.
1: Yeah, the Flames led by 13 in the first quarter and the Eagles were just unable to bridge that gap for the remainder of the game. Carly Bogue had a... No, Carly. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Chris Bogue. How often uh,
0: do you reckon that happens to them?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, a funny story. I remember when uh, Chris come and met... Um, Carly and coming to Mandra and yeah, I sort of thought, oh, this could be a bit of fun here, you know, and uh, swap a few uniforms and <laughs> get Chris on the floor and Carly had a bit of an injury, you know, yeah, I thought yep. oh, she might be able to get a couple of, couple of weeks rest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So they're remarkably alike. Yeah, they um, are. I think we even held a competition there to for some people to see whether they could tell the difference, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, but great to see yeah, her. Can,
0: can you pick the difference? If, yeah. I, I if can, they stand uh, next, to, yeah. next to
1: each other? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, good to see her back in some form. Yeah. And just for the Eagles, you know, um, all 12 players scored for the okay. Eagles in that game and they were very competitive, you know, much improved shooting game at 33% from the three-point line, yeah. 80 from the 3 throw. And If it wasn't for that first quarter, the remainder of the game, they, they were, you know, competitive.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is a competitive scoreline and, you know, girls like Gemma Dix, Emerson Taylor are all the sort of people that if, you know, B.J. Moyes and two imports are there mm. in an SBL season probably don't play any minutes. All of a sudden, they're getting to play important minutes. Yep, I agree. Last game. Bit of an upset, but the Callum under Eastern Suns have put themselves right back in the finals mix now. They're, they're playing some good basketball under Tom mm. Knowles.
1: They, they won at home over the Lakeside Lightning, 58-51. to yeah, well done to the Suns. Congratulations. Um, they held the Lightning to four points in the second quarter, so yeah. that was a big, you know, a big effort there, and probably a match-winning quarter for them. You know, Jessie Edwards, who's a Perth Lynx member, flexed her muscles with twenty-two points and eleven rebounds, and good to see Jill Williams have a good game. You know, sixteen points. But you know, the story of the the weekend really was uh, Lightning's shooting woes. Yeah. They continued again. Uh, they were only fifteen percent from the three-point line. Wow. from the free throw line Um, so yeah I think that really hurt him over the weekend for sure
0: well when you have a shooting weekend like that what do you do now during the week do you make it a focus do you work extra on your shooting or does that have the potential to make it a worse problem because it puts it in in your head mentally
1: yeah, well, I think you've got to get on the floor and, and yeah. shoot, you know, and probably ram it down, ram it into them and just yeah. say it's not, you know, it's, it's not up to scratch. Yeah. You know, we need to go back to basics and this is all we're going to do is just shoot the ball, you know, in the spots that they want the ball. So, I have no doubt the Lightning will turn it around. They've, they've known, they're known for their shooting, they so are. it'll be interesting to see how their percentages go this weekend. Yeah,
0: they head down to Eden on Friday night, so it'll be fascinating how, how it goes. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll bring that to you next week here on SBL Shootaround. Now, Four weeks in now to the competition, Randy, well, I'll run through the standings. Remember there's only the top four that play finals this year, so you know four out of twelve, it makes makes a lot pretty tough to sneak in. So we've got the Junior Wolves five and and0 Rockingham Flames four and O, the Calamandra Eastern Suns three and one, the Warwick Senators are two and one. And just outside Parallax Hawks four and two, Perth Redbacks four and two, Lakeside Lightning three and two, Mandarin Magic two and four, Willard and Tigers one and four, Corbin Cougars one and four East Perth Eagles one and five and the Southwest Slammers zero and five. Correct me if you disagree, Randy, but I, I would think I can't see the Wolves or Flames missing. And then I think it's a battle between the Suns, Senators, Hawks, Redbacks, and Lightning for the last two spots, and below that you can probably rule rule a line through them. Yeah, I think
1: so. I think Williton, you know, potentially could be up there, but they just um, haven't started well. They're probably mm. a little bit too far back. Amanda obviously struggling a little bit with the bigger size team. so I do agree with you um and you don't want to be slipping up you know Lakeside have gone from 2nd to 7th yeah. over you know over the weekend so um it's going to it's going to really tighten up there in you know positions 3 down to 7 I'm thinking
0: yeah it's it's going to be fascinating to see who makes the finals top 4 in a 12 team competition makes things pretty tight so yeah, yeah that, that's round four done in the West Coast Classic when we come back Really looking forward to speaking to the Perry Lakes head coach, Diana Black. Okay, back here on SBL Shootaround, and there's no way we could have done an SBL show this year, Randy, without having having this lady as a special guest. If you have a look at her, her resume, she's played played for the Australian Opals. She's played played well over 250 WNBL games. Two time wmbl Championship winner. She's been a winner wherever she's played her basketball, and and that's transferred into her coaching now. She went straight from her SBL playing career into her SBL coaching career, and you know all about how she won a championship in her first season as a coach at the Perry Lakes Hawks. And she continues to to, to do great things. Um, she's she's now married into a very famous family. She's about to become a mother as well. So to say she's got a lot on her plate would be a great understatement. Doki, thanks very much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: how How is life like right, life like right now for you? I can't imagine it's ever been ever been busier than everything you're trying to juggle right now.
2: Um, yeah, it's definitely been a bit of a crazy time, I guess, obviously, with Covid hitting and everyone going into lockdown and the impact that had on us as teachers and obviously the basketball season, I think it shut down a week before we're about to start or the yeah. week of us starting. And then obviously, being pregnant at the same time so um you know it's been a bit of a juggle and especially this term for me having you know full-time work running the basketball program at Willington, senior high school then back into trainings and starting the season with three double-headed games it's Mm. sort of been pretty full-on and at the same time baking a baby so um
3: I've
2: had to had to definitely reevaluate sort of my balance and I'm very lucky that I have You know, a very supportive husband and amazing people around me to help me do that.
0: Fantastic. As I said, we're joined here by Randy Meagle as well. You had some cracking battles with him back in in his days coaching the Mandra Magic. When you think of coaching against Randy, what first comes to mind?
2: Uh, Tough. Those girls Mm -hmm. are tough. Uh, They were like, they set the terms of physicality in the league, and often, you know, I don't. Where we play a different style to what they do. So it was always a really fun match-up, sort of trying to work out how do you counteract the physicality with us being probably a little bit taller and more athletic. So um, it was always a very big battle and a great challenge. And, I mean, they've got such experienced players down there as well. So um, I definitely miss him in the league, but I know, you know, Mandurah continuing to build and, um, yeah, as, as always, they're
3: just tough.
1: Hey, Dokie! Thanks very much for coming on the show. We were trying to actually get you on a little bit earlier, but uh, um, we've got you now. And uh, yeah, we'll just throw some questions at you, uh, basically about your career. And um, just looking through the list of teams that you played for, particularly in the WNBL, you know, going right back to sort of nineteen ninety six with the Melbourne Tigers, and then AIS. Um, the whereabouts where and when do you think you're actually playing at your peak and when did you sort of feel like you were you know at at your best
2: good question I um, I think that for me I I didn't really understand fitness and in shape until I was sort of my mid-20s so I sort of I thought I was training hard and I thought I was doing the right things, but it wasn't until I you know, decided to get serious about my diet and training regime and really um, knuckled down on some of those things that I saw the positive impact. Mm. Um, I guess I you know, then sort of went to Europe in that that sort of stage and then coming back from um, my first stint in, in Europe, I think that's sort of when I started to hit a bit more of a prime with, you know, adding scoring, but not just scoring, being a bit more of an all-round player as well. I think I set up my career being just offensive and, <laughs> as most people would say, didn't play a whole lot of defence. <laughs> but in that time, sort of realised that if you did want to continue to progress, that it was important to establish yourself on both ends of the floor but you know learning also to play with and without the ball as well Yep. so I think for me it was probably when I did come over here and play in Perth like I you know had I was very fortunate to get a start in the WNBL at just 15 and learnt so much and obviously was part of the AIS championship team uh, which was incredible to do at such a young age, but I think it wasn't until sort of I got that opportunity at Perth to come over and um, really be that impact player that I sort of, um, I guess, probably hit more of a pinnacle of my career.
0: You never want to complain about winning championships, and I'm sure that team you're on in Canberra would have been a lot of fun. But in some ways, do you wish it happened a little bit later in your in your career? Do you feel like you might have appreciated that success later in your, in your career rather than when you were still still a teenager? Uh,
2: yeah, not really. Hmm. <laughs> at the time, it was a, like we – I guess we kind of spoke about, you know, being the youngest team as at the RES to ever do that. Hmm. So we kind of – I mean, at the time, we really appreciated, it, but it was like you're playing with your best friends that you've lived with for two and a half years and doing this amazing thing. So I mm. guess it was a different experience to what you're doing when you're more of a senior player. Um, and then obviously, we won it the next season when I went to the capitals as yeah. well. So and again, that was a different experience again, with you know more senior players like your Shelley. Shelley Gormans and those kind of players that have been around a long time. So it, it was definitely two different experiences. But then you go, you know, a whole rest of your career sort of in finals and thereabouts and mm. um, I guess that is what helps you to appreciate what you did when you were younger.
0: Now that it is 20, 21 years on from those championships, whether it's Lauren Jackson or or Shelly like you mentioned or any of the other players that you shared the championships with do you feel like you do you have a lifelong bond because you have that success together have you stayed in touch with a lot of a lot of the players from the from those teams
2: from the areas i have definitely um and i think you know it's the bond because you've grown you've almost grown up and established you know different things together and seeing each other grow along the way and that's been whether you've been teammates played against each other there was you know there was a number of us that played Vic Country together as well that then went to the AIS that then won the grand final so some of those connections through basketball are just lifelong through that through the basketball channel but not necessarily just because you won a grand final
0: together now the years you spent in in Adelaide I don't know if I've got my timing right or not, but we spoke to Mel Marsh about this as well. Was one of those seasons at the Adelaide Lightning when you were called the Adelaide Fellas, or did you happen to to miss miss that unfortunate na- naming naming change?
2: <laughs> I definitely did. Was not there then at all. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, I didn't even know they were called. Cool. That must have been while well. so I was in Europe.
0: It, it might have been. Might, do you remember what year it was, Randy? I think it was 2005. Yeah, so it was while you were in, in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> so I yeah.
2: left. I left 2004, so just before my, after my time.
0: No, very, 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 very lucky because it was a an unfortunate sponsorship name that they had to, that, that they were stuck with. You mentioned coming to Perth. What was it about coming to Perth that I know you only spent a year or two in the first place, and then you went over over to Europe and then to Sydney, and then Bendigo, and then you came back to the waves and you've ended up staying ever since. Mm. What was it about Perth that made it the place that you've ended up spending, I guess, the most of <laughs> your, your adult life life at?
2: Yeah. So, well, I, I can share a bit of a funny story. So when I first um, signed with Perth, uh, Paul O'Brien, I think it was Paul O'Brien when I first came over, um, was coaching. And, no, that was the second time.
3: Oh dear, I'm confused.
2: <laughs> um oh, no, I think it was Paul. And it was in between like I really wanted to go back to Europe but I hadn't really had any offers to go back. Yep. And so basically he said, We'll just come over here and play and then if you get a European contract, then um then you can go during the season. And so I signed a contract for that season. Uh, For $50 I played, not per game, for the whole season (laughs) and I got taxed on it (laughs) Um, and uh, basically I got an offer to go to Spain halfway through the season but I'm like a person that I should have known myself. Um, When you commit to something, you know, with a bunch of people and you work hard and you don't really want to let those people down so I actually turned down the Europe offer and stayed and played the season. Wow. and that season, I think I got All-Star 5 yep. for the WNBL. I think I led the league in scoring and I made the Australian squad for $50. Wow, So, good choice. Um, <laughs> so, that, that, you know, for me, I think that was one of those things that I was proud of because I never really made any of my basketball decisions over money. It was always yep. about what was going to be, you know, what was going to help me be the best player I could be and, you know, a really positive situation to play in uh, where you could always, you know, feel like you could play your best. So um, from that season, like, I just loved being in Perth. Um, But then I picked up a short-term contract to go to Europe and then that's how I got another few years in Europe after that. Um, And then I did come back and play another season and I absolutely loved it here in Perth. Um, And for me, like, my biggest goal was to play for Australia. And at that stage... Um, I felt like you needed to be on the East Coast to be sort of noticed. And for me, um, you know, upon reflection, I think that I could have achieved what I wanted to from staying here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you sort of sometimes, you know, you it's like other other players have experienced, you think the grass is maybe green somewhere else or that. Those opportunities um, will come from that rather than, you know, just committing to being here and being who I was. So, um, I did then leave for a couple of years and I think I hit that stage where I was like well where did I enjoy playing my basketball the most and um, in the WNBL and where could I be myself as a player and I felt like Perth was that place and so when I decided that I, um, Kennedy on was coaching and I just rang him and said hey I know the trade period hasn't started yet but um, i would definitely be keen to have a chat if I uh, was someone that you're interested in um, when it did open and um, that's sort of how I did end up back here and um, again finished finished my WNBL career in a place that I love so I was very sort of fortunate on that journey to do that um, you know for me the people um, have always been very supportive Um Again, Perth is a beautiful place, a lovely place to live. So, yeah, I do feel – and obviously um, now that I'm married to Stephen, we've got a house and our dog and, you know, about to have our baby here as well.
3: So it is kind mm. of
2: home for us.
1: Hey, Doc, you don't want to go back and forwards to, um, you know, early in your career and stuff like that, but you were talking about your European experience. Um, we had Vince Kelly on last week and uh, we asked him about his um, – Time in Europe, and he said it was like playing gladiator basketball. He I think said he went it was, to Portugal
0: too, didn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat> he said it was tough as anything. What was your memories of some of those uh, European countries? Like um, <laughs> your favourite country, and your sort of the toughest comp that you come up against?
2: Um, so, I lived on the tropical island of Madeira in Portugal. Oh, beautiful. So that wasn't that wasn't too much of a hard life. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, I and mean, we actually we actually won the championship there, so that was pretty good.
3: Wow, fantastic! Uh,
2: and the weather was great, and um, it was very good lifestyle. Uh, where did I go after that? I went to so then I signed a contract to go to Russia, and I played in Siberia. Oh, wow. And so, a little bit naive when I was young, because I uh, took all these language books over to Madeira, thinking, yes, you know, like they're going to speak a different language, and everyone spoke English because it was like a tourist island. <laughs> and then I got to Siberia, and basically they dropped me off in a, an apartment and basically said, we'll be back. Um, the translators over, oversee somewhere with the American import um, <laughs> to organise a visa. Um, <laughs> and so they basically left me in this place for a, a week. And uh, like the first night, I remember the lights flashing open like outside my bedroom window and I look out the window and it's like a Siberia prison oh, um, yeah, that my, my apartment was overlooking. <laughs> um, and then sort of the next day I sort of thought, well, I probably, you know, need to call mum and let, mom and dad and let them know that I'm safe.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and so I went out and obviously being Siberia, there's not anyone that speaks English.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, and so, and I had no translation books because I didn't think that anyone, everyone would speak English because that's what they did in Madeira. So yeah. I had to pretty much teach myself to read Russian um, so that I could read where the internet cafes were and- Things like that. when um, dad ended up getting my number off my agent who because they couldn't contact me either. So I sort of got stuck in this place. Um, it was minus 27 degrees <laughs> on average <laughs> and minus 52 was the coldest day. Uh, uh. My experience in Russia was a lot different to like Lauren Jackson's and Susie mm-hmm. Bakovic who <laughs> – Um, who had their own personal drivers and houses and everything else, Um, we – I basically, um, yeah, sort of was left to fend for myself (laughs) a fair bit.
3: Wow, that's Um, an experience.
2: And, yeah, like I guess for me it was a very hard place to play because – the girls had never really had any imports in their team before. Mm. So they just saw saw us as the enemy and the threat. So um, one of the trainings – and, you know, being Australian, we're used to training hard. So I went hard and, like, the captain pretty much went to punch me in the face at wow. training because I was training too hard and <laughs> making her not look good. So um, that ended up in, like, a walkout of training. Uh, there was games where, you know, the coach would say – hey, you are meant to be the import. why are you not scoring? Mm. And I'd I'd be saying to my translator, you need to tell him, like, they won't
3: pass me the ball. So (laughs)
2: um, they literally would fake pass at me and not pass me the ball and then he would sub those girls off and then I think I scored, like, the next four or five times down the floor and I was like, that's why they should pass me the Mm. ball. (laughs) Um, So it was a whole different experience. In Russia, um, you know, we'd catch overnight trains and sleep on them. Um, wow. uh, the, the aeroplanes, the door would freeze over. Obviously, you're coming into land at minus 27, so you're skidding skinning down the runway. <laughs> um, like, the stories from Russia are like, like ridiculous. I could talk about it all day. Um, so, that was definitely an experience and an eye opener. Yeah. Um, Were well, well, you at least able that, to
0: sort of create a bond with your? Mm-hmm the American import, could you, were you at least with her, at least able to sort of have some common ground?
2: Yeah, without a doubt. So Nudge um, was her name, but she lasted three months and was like, I'm out.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and she went to France to play. But again, I don't know, like, I, like my parents really brought me up that when you commit to something, you commit. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether that's good or bad, you sort of see that out. And so I sort of, as much as you kind of, at times, were like, oh, I need to get out of here. Um, I felt that, um, you know, I'd committed and I was just going to see it through. So uh, we actually, so even though Naj was only there for like three months, like we got quite close um, and Steve and I actually visited her and her husband and daughter in France on our honeymoon. Oh,
3: wow. So yeah,
2: we did build that bond. and I mean, as much as, like, um, we don't see each other, it's one of those people that you just sort of click with because you've experienced such a yeah. crazy experience and, you know, some people that you come across are just, you know, destined to be great friends um, for your life. So, uh, yeah, so that sort of was pretty fortunate. Um, like, there were there were some great things um i met you know i went to restaurants and young girls that were my age would like act out the menu for me like what was cow (laughs) what was beef, and stuff like that and they sort of took me under their wing and um there were some teammates that were great um you know they taught us how to sort of cook some russian i learned how to speak some russian and obviously read russian so (laughs) that yeah it was quite interesting and then i went from there to um to Italy where I lived in an apartment that sort of overlooked the Swiss Alps uh, oh, wow. near Lake Garda. So <laughs> when you talk about extremes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, a big jump. So, and then Italy was like, that was probably the uh, toughest sort of competition. Um, a lot of the WNBA girls played in that. Yeah. Um, in Russia, obviously the same, but like the WNBA, all the, like probably the top two or three teams were strong, whereas in Italy it was probably more um, balanced kind of competition.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that, doggy. It's
0: interesting. <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways, is that one of your proudest years? That year in Russia as well, because you actually stuck with it. It might have been the easy the easy option was to quit, with how hard it was. But to stick with it for a whole season is that something you look back on now and you're really proud of yourself for?
2: Oh, for sure. I think that. Um, it definitely was a test of test of character. Um, I was actually really fortunate enough that I'd just started studying online.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I was able to sort of get some of my study done over there. Otherwise, I think I actually would have gone quite stir crazy. Mm. And if you think about it, we're talking, how many years ago was it? Like 15, 2004, was that like? Yeah, 15. Yeah. 15, 16 years ago. Um, so the internet wasn't really great. Um, you know, the TV was sort of anything that was cable TV was sort of voiceover with the Russian underneath. Yep. Um, so it wasn't anything like what you can imagine it would be now. You know, there wasn't really FaceTime and things like that. So um, it was very hard to still be connected. Um, so, But, yeah, definitely proud that I, I survived. A lot of my stories... Um, do come from that time though so it was Mm. definitely an experience that you look back on and go wow like I was very lucky in my career to experience such um, a diverse experience of culture and um, meet some amazing people and yeah live the way I did.
0: You come back to finish your WNBL career playing at the Waves as well and I know you said before that that was where you enjoyed playing your basketball the most so you were happy to be back in Perth but at the same time, do you wish you had the resources behind you as a team that the club ended up having when the Wildcats took over and they, and they I guess, re-became the Lynx? Do you wish that you were given a bit more of a chance to be successful as a team?
2: Um, oh, without a doubt. I think, you know, we had a lot of the right processes in place, um, but there is only so much you can do when you're competing against teams with a bigger budget. Yep. Um, but with that, I guess it gave... You know the opportunity for WA players to um, have an opportunity to play at that level as well. Um, but I guess you know what you find is um, you know the depth is is so important to be successful at that level. And I think you know looking at the team that the the new links have just put together, um, you know, I think they've really gone about it the right way.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot about that on this this show. We're really excited about the roster that. Ryan Patrick's got to work with. Speaking of that, are you going to be helping him out? Have you, have you, <laughs> have you thought about taking up an assistant coaching job under him? Because clearly you, you've got the brain for it, but I guess it's a matter of if you have the time for it.
2: Um. Yes. So, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I've been involved in the early stages with Ryan and um, Keegan. So, um. Yeah, I will be involved as much as I can, and obviously, I'm very passionate about basketball in WA especially women's basketball and you know I really want to see them be successful and if I can help with that in any possible way then I'm really happy to be involved and um, yeah I'm really grateful that I have been asked and and included in the process which has been kind of nice.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic news. Very, very good, uh, Doki. I'm glad that you're on board to to see that through yeah. because you're going to be a great asset for, for Ryan and the girls will be all looking up to you as well. Um, and just talking about your your coaching, you've had some uh, legendary coaches coach yourself in Jan Sterling and Kerry Graff and Phil Brown. Have you taken you know a lot out of what they taught you um, into your coaching philosophy?
2: Yeah, I think you learn a lot of things from all, all coaches and the way they go about it, and some things that you learn that you probably don't want to do as well. Um, mm. There was always drills that a player, as a player, I'd be like, "I'm never going to do these as a coach," and you find that you're doing them because it just works. Yeah. Um, and I go, "Sorry, girls, I hated this as well, but you just got to do it." But um, definitely take, taking a lot away over those times, and I think it's still. You know as as you know, with coaching, you continually learn and and grow. and you know I'm still um, you know quite a quite a fresh coach, and I love you know learning about the game and the different styles that are being played worldwide and you know watching um, different plays and and analyzing the game. So for me, you know it's fantastic just to have um, you know still some female coaches that I do look after. Too. you know you're watching Sandy over in the WNBA and um, my best friend Larissa was obviously coaching WNBL for a while at Dandenong. So yeah. having those people around you to sort of look up to, watch um, at times, you know, help you, challenge you as well as a coach has been, been fantastic. And, um, you know, I think that I've, I've grown as a coach from when I first started and will continue to do so. And it is just from what you learn from, your own experiences but other people around you that you watch.
0: Well, what about CJ Jackson? What was he like to play under very late in your career? You were at a point where you didn't need to be coached. You could just be trusted to go out there and be a a coach on the court. But what's it now like to know that he's such a big supporter of yours? I spoke to him last week and he thinks that, if if there's any female that can coach in the men's league, then you're right at the top of that list. That's how highly he thinks of you as a as a coach now, and and clearly WMBL, you know, he he's a big supporter of yours to to be a head coach at that level at one, as well one day. What was what was he like like for you later in, in your career? I
2: I just think it was good because he valued um, my experience as well and trust trusted in that. Like sometimes I think when you're the senior player. You know, coaches are like sometimes maybe a little bit concerned about, you know, maybe you changing things on court or that. But, uh, you know, we had the respect that I guess I was able to deliver on the court what he wanted um, as a coach. Mm. It's almost like that sort of the experienced player that you're always going to to say, hey, can you get this done or can you do that? And I think that we had that um, that ability to do that. And I think that's probably... Where a lot of that sort of respect grows is because you know if you've got someone that's sort of in your corner, that's on the court getting it done, then it really does help. So um, it was it was definitely fun, um, and you know the Hawks were um, and still are such a great club to be a part of. So um, you know that was definitely part of the journey, and uh, you know my last my last game that I've ever played was under CJ. Um, with
0: the hook. So that was a of special memory for me, that's for sure. Yeah, like I said, we, I did a thing with CJ last week where we talked about giving female coaches more opportunities and, and we both agreed that there's no reason that females couldn't be coaching in the men's league. Is that something that you would either consider for yourself one day or do you agree that there's no reason why, whoever it is, that a woman can't be coaching, coaching men? Yeah,
2: uh, there's definitely not um, a reason why they can't. I, um, for me personally, I hadn't really given it a whole lot of thought because I'm just really happy with where I'm at at the moment and I love putting back into women's sport and women's basketball and, um, you know, for me, being able to be a role model hopefully for younger girls to, you know, follow not necessarily a playing pathway but a coaching pathway like a lot of our Hawks young girls are sort of putting back in, coaching wobble and things, which, you know, I'm so proud of because I think that's really part of, um, you know, being a part of a club is about, you know, not just taking but also putting back in. Um, And we've got a lot of girls that that do do that. Um, I think from, you know, we're seeing more and more female coaches. um, For me and reading, you know, the articles and things, it's just about creating that pathway and the opportunities that are there. Um, you know, so whether that is, you know, mentoring programs and and things like that. I know that um, Victoria did a fantastic job, I think it was maybe two years ago when they, you know, they did utilise a number of female um, state coaches. So that was sort of like your Dee Butler's, Katrina Hibbert's, those ones, those girls that have got fantastic playing experience but they also were then mentored by more senior coaches. Like I think it uh, was... don't hold me to this, but I was like, you know, Mike Mackay and um, some of those older, more experienced coaches that have been around for a really long time. So they had those sort of people that they could go to, um, you know, to challenge them, to question ideas and help them grow as coaches. And, I, you know, I'd love to see something like that where some of our – because we've got some really great female coaches in, in Wobble, yep. um, but seeing them get that opportunity to, to step up to the next level and, you know, I'm fortunate Hawks we've got, you know, three females on our coaching staff and one male and, um, you know, all of them have valuable roles and I just think that if it doesn't really matter what gender, I think it's just how you do your job. I think that's the most important thing. So, um, you know, if you're a good communicator, you are good at X's and O's and there's no reason whether you can coach females or males.
1: Yeah, we've seen, um, you know, Tanya Fisher go <clears throat> and Megan Thompson and, uh, you know, Narelle Henry. There's been, you know, quite a few over the last few years, but you're the sort of last one standing, dockey but uh, it would be great to see some more female coaches in the... Um, in the WSBL and, um, you know, hopefully soon we can see, you know, some people coming through. Maybe you Jess Van Shees and, you know, Fleur McIntyres and, you know, maybe even some of the more senior girls down in Mandarin might get involved. But, um, uh, yeah, we I, th- I think it would be great to see a few more out there.
2: Oh, I definitely think it would be great to see a few more out there and I think, it, I think it's important that they do um, – do get involved and put back in just because um, it is really rewarding and I think that um, you sort of don't realise how much it means to other younger girls, you know, to have those kind of people to look up to. So, you know, the more females that we can get involved, especially in, in girls' basketball, I think we'll really go a long way.
0: Now, I know I promised Randy that we would stop talking about his grand finals that he lost as a coach. What but,
1: was it like growing up in the Bendigo, <laughs> Docky? But,
0: but <laughs> I, need to, I need to bring this up, Doc, because clearly it's one of your great achievements to take over first year as head coach at Perry Lakes and win the championship that year. Um, can you tell, talk about how it compares as a coach to win a championship compared to a player? Because you're one of the few people that, that knows what, what both feels like.
3: Oh,
2: it's... Super stressful. I think it's mm-hmm. way more stressful as a coach um, than a player because you can only do all the preparation and you've got all these ideas and and that, but you've got to go no, just keep it simple, stay to the game plan. And I think that I reckon I I played every single play in my head probably the whole week leading into the grand final. But obviously, you know, you've just got to keep it really clear and simple to the players. Um, but when you're a player, you're only really thinking about your yourself and your performance and how that's going to help your team. Mm. But as a coach, you're thinking about everything. And so, for me, like it, it can shoot like every thought for for a while through that whole final series. And I think, um, yeah, it was def- definitely definitely um, definitely a fun and interesting and I a time and I I did learn a lot through that period, regardless of the wins and losses of just you know keeping everyone relaxed even though like inside I was, you know, probably just as um, anxious as everybody else.
1: Just the transition of being a player the previous season and then stepping into the head coach roles was was a remarkable effort. Did you feel that when you were playing in your last season there that you were actually doing a little bit of coaching? as such, like a a court leader? And did you have much to say sort of in uh, timeouts and, and stuff like that? Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I think I was always pretty chatty when I was on the court. Um, but, you know, obviously for me, I, I don't know, I've always respected the coaches, so in timeouts I'd sort of – keep it let them talk because too many voices obviously mm. gets quite confusing for everyone um a lot of mine and say and cj's conversations would happen you know one-on-one a bit like hey you know this is happening out there or uh, what do you think about this or things like that i just think that it was sort of important not to be delivering too many messages so i guess you could say that like i knew um that i wanted to head into coaching when i I'd finish, so, and as you get older and probably slower, um, the game sort of unravels, you sort of, you understand the game a lot better as you're older, Hmm. Um, and it's funny because everyone tells you that, but it's not until you're older that you kind of realise, yeah, like, I don't have to play it at 100 miles an hour because you understand position and angles and, you know, the play's a lot better and stuff, so... You know, I probably wasn't my fittest in the last season or anything like that, but I still managed to probably play at that level because of my understanding of the game rather than my actual skill and fitness level.
1: Yeah, well, um, I was going to say yeah. I have seen it firsthand because you knocked us out in the finals and you were still playing at a pretty high level. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, but yeah... Um, the, coach, the coaching aspect was sort of something I, I did want to transition into and I was very fortunate at Hawks to get, get that opportunity. And, I, you know, when it's funny just talking to you guys about sort of my career and time because, you know, at times some of the playing stuff now feels like a lifetime ago because it's now the coaching journey started and, um, you know, that that's now a new different type of journey mm. to that as a player. um. You know, and the focus is always how do I get the best out of my players and how do they, how can I help them just love the game because, you know, it's a lot of commitment and a lot of people at our level don't get paid. So it's, you know, how do we keep it fun? How do we keep it enjoyable but at the same time, you know, be the best that we can be as a group? So it's definitely a fun challenge.
0: When you have a shared experience like you did in that grand final where only you and Randy really know what it was like to be, be the head coaches in a game like that, and unfortunately for Randy, he's been through on this show early in the season talking about the one the year later with Craig Mansfield as, as well. Um, do you feel like you have some sort of a bond with the opposition coach when you go through a stressful night like a grand final where it ends up being a pretty tight and close game?
2: I don't, I don't know whether it's called a bond, but mm. you have a, a found like a respect without sure. a doubt, especially for a co- you know for a close game because. Um, you know, feel from both sides, like, you know, now it's like this feeling and then it was, um, you know, you you kind of go, oh, I, you know, I do appreciate what they're experiencing right now as well. So I think it's just a really strong respect for the opposition for sure in, in a situation like that and especially when it's a close game because it just makes it a lot tougher
0: yeah he had enough of that now Randy let's, let's move on I think, yeah. I, think um, <laughs> I can see
2: him doing the thing of, like wipe that one up Let's
0: go. <laughs> he, he actually did he actually really did I'm <laughs> um, yeah. uh, fascinated to ask you about Steve um, Dockey obviously it's, it's been remarkable because I knew I knew both of you before you knew each other or before you had started dating mm-hmm. each other then I I you know was still in touch with both of you while you were dating and then while you're engaged and then <laughs> yeah. you got then you got married and now you're about to become parents together it's been it must have been a f- i guess a five year journey now just off the top of my head it, it's i'm yeah, ha- five
2: years yeah, yeah
0: no how i see both of you light up whenever I talk to you about the other one yeah. um it, 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 you've got a pretty special bond it you must be you must i mean i don't know what to ask but it you must you must be loving life together. Uh, and And what you've been able to to do over the last five years together
2: uh, oh, without a doubt, and I think it it's one of those things that timing is everything, like obviously we knew each other at a much younger age at the mm. Institute of sport, and um you know life happened, but you get to that point where um you know it's right, and I think that we complement each other, um you know probably our strengths are each other's weaknesses in certain aspects as well, and um yeah, it's just been an amazing journey and it's it's it is funny because I think that everyone sort of lived it with us because mm-hmm. they sort of saw us dating and then we're engaged and married now having babies. Um yeah. So it's it's been fantastic. I um I'm incredibly loved and supported, um and very, very fortunate and yeah, we can't wait to be parents and I have no doubt he's gonna be an amazing dad.
0: You've both had remarkably similar journeys as well in your basketball life. Where he had a he had a fantastic NBL career, obviously playing at state league level. He did what he did as well, and and you know playing for his country. When he was at his peak, he was an absolutely phenomenal player, and now he's proving that he, he's a he's a more than capable coach as well. And his passion for basketball is massive. and And you're the same. Um, what's it like at home? Do you talk basketball nonstop, or do you try to switch basketball off, or how do you? What's the balance like?
2: Uh, I think we have a really good balance. Um, Obviously, you do talk a lot of basketball because, you know, we've both got games that we want to debrief if we're not there or talk about or, you know, provide ideas or suggestions or help each other out. Um, But at the same time, there's a lot going on in the world and a lot Mm. going on in life. So, uh, you know, we have have a very, very good balance. Um, Lando, our dog, gets a lot of attention. So, (laughs) you know, we're out for walks twice a day and, um all those kind of things so um I, no i think we you know we are both very passionate we're both competitive we're both stubborn um so sometimes that makes for for fun but um mm. we, i think we both said said the other day we're in for a lot of trouble if our kids anything like both of us <laughs> but it's going to give it a, give us a bit of a run for its money but um but yeah no, i think Like I said, I think we just balance each other out and just have that that respect. But it's just good because you're with someone that kind of understands and just gets it. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things you sort of go – a lot of people look at it and go, oh, that's just so much basketball. But it's just great to have someone by your side that – you know is your rock and and just gets you and just gets it so yeah we're very lucky
1: i know you're a huge uh, melbourne demons fan doggies oh
2: yes i was hoping you're gonna bring that up we're winning games oh my gosh
1: that would be a conversation no doubt in the house with the afl
2: oh yeah we are steven's a a doggies fan so melbourne played bulldogs this weekend
1: oh
3: great
2: (laughs) um so we've already like (laughs) prepped for it and so yeah it's my dad's already rang up and said, yeah, looking forward to giving you a call later in the week. And Stephen's like, I oh, can't wait to give you the call. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know. It's sort of a fight over who's, who our baby's going to barrack for, really. <laughs> um, but I'm a bit nervous to say whoever wins this game, because Melbourne, like, we, we do choke mm. a fair bit. So... Um, I've got to pick my time when I go, oh, whoever wins this game, the baby can bar it for because it has to be when Melbourne's like yeah, up yeah. by like 60 or something like that.
1: Well, hopefully you don't have to coach on that night.
0: Yeah. How is the pregnancy going? Is it, is it harder than you thought it would be? Is it easier? Is it, is it different? And, and what, what's t- what period are you in now? How close is it getting?
3: Uh,
2: so we're in the third trimester, so we've got about uh, 10 and a half weeks to go. Okay. So not very long. It's been, I don't know, it's an interesting journey because there's so much that you just don't know Mm. (laughs)
3: Um,
2: and that you learn sort of along the way and, you know, different people share knowledge. There's podcasts that you listen to and you're like, holy moly, like, (laughs) wow, what am I in for? Um, But obviously everyone says at the end, like, it's all worth it, but it's just like,
3: whoa.
2: I guess for me, um, you know, the first trimester was kind of challenging because, like, we are working, we are in um, pre-season and I was feeling pretty lousy and um, really tired and things and then COVID sort of hit and then we got locked down and I sort of, in my first trimester, was sort of able just to sit on the couch and relax and Mm -hmm. felt all right. And then I remember Stephen was like, It's not just going to go away. Like it doesn't hit like the second trimester and it goes away and literally (laughs) the second day it did. (laughs) It was just like (laughs) – because I think it didn't want me to get my hopes up that I'd feel better. Then all of a sudden I I felt a lot better. The trimester has been great. Um, And then the third, I've just got – like my stomach's got obviously a lot bigger and the baby's moving a lot which is um, crazy. The kids at school obviously have sort of experienced that journey knowing that I was pregnant and then Mm. getting bigger and they're like, whoa, miss, like your baby's so big now. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, is it weird having like something inside you? I'm like, oh my God, it's so weird like it moves around and stuff so and you know and it's also great in that capacity because you know you teach health and those kind of subjects where you're talking about things but the kids are sort of seeing that involvement sort of firsthand as well so it creates very good conversations about the stuff that you're actually teaching them in class Mm. Um, but yeah so it's I don't know it's been it's an amazing journey and it's exciting it's been a little bit hard in terms of covid because obviously all my family are over east and um the nerves about whether they're going to be able to be here like when we have the baby and things like that so um it's sort of looking a little bit more and more unlikely um which is you know which is really sad because obviously you know you want your mom and dad over here to meet the baby straight away and your sister and and that, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot more worse people in the world at the moment. So I'm actually just fortunate that Stephen's been able to come to all the appointments and stuff with me because there was a moment there that it looked like it was only going to be me in the in all mm. the meetings. So yeah. yeah, but it's an amazing experience. Um, we're just really um, delighted and excited and just sort of can't wait to meet the baby. I'm not, it's <laughs> not very patient. <laughs> so it's sort of just trying to sit back and, and enjoy it, as people suggest, but at the same time it's like, yeah, we're kind of, come on, we can't wait to see
0: you. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's fantastic to, to, to hear and and, and uh, congratulations for what you're about to experience. Um, last one from me. This might be a stupid question and it might have a, an obvious answer. Where did the Docky nickname come from?
2: <laughs> um, So... <sorry. laughs> All like right, under sixteen. There was a girl called Deanne Smitherem who is now Deanne Butler. Yep. Um, so she played WNBL with me as well. And um they asked her what her nickname was and hers was Dee. And so they had to think of a new one. So Deanne Smitherem, and Deanna Smith. It was
3: like,
2: hmm. so someone at that stage <laughs> I wish it was a better story, to
3: be
2: honest. <laughs> um, but there was an ad for Smith's chips on the radio, on the TV, like yeah. the gobbledock. Yeah, yeah. And yep. someone's like, oh, you're the gobbledoc's missed you. And then they're like, well, we can't call you gobbledock. And so um, someone went doc, so I was doc for a bit, and then it was like Docky, and then it stuck. So it's pretty wow. much been there since I was 14.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad story. That, that, that'll that
2: do. <laughs> so, yeah, like it's after the hairy gobbledock world yep. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. That's pretty much the story.
3: Hmm. Uh, but, um, Doc, before,
2: before you finish, yep. sorry, I do. I would like to acknowledge like the Hawks for me, especially when we're talking about pregnancy as well. I've been really fortunate. Like the girls are so supportive. Um, the club have been really supportive. Uh, my assistants on the weekend went to Bunbury and coached the game so that I had the weekend off oh, um, just because I said that. Obviously, I was explaining <laughs> how busy I've been and I just – had like just ran myself into the ground a little bit so they were really happy to do that so I've been really fortunate to have that support from them and I think that's really important you know as when we're talking about encouraging female coaches and things that you can still do it through these, you know, through being pregnant and different situations, because of the people and the support, and I've definitely been been lucky to have that. And you know, as as I have also mentioned, you know, Stephen and his family have been fantastic as well with that. So everyone's making sure I'm getting lots of rest, which is really hard <laughs> because um, I do go 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 as as you know, mm-hmm. working full time, running the basketball program at Willow with Fawzi and then coaching, and then double games on weekends it, it is a lot so I just yeah would love to give a shout out to all the people that have sort of pulled behind me and tried to tried to help me out and see that you do kind of have to pull back a little bit when you're um you know looking after a little baby
1: yeah just with saying that Toki, thanks very much for giving us your time I mean you've built a great legacy and the culture down at Perry Lakes is is there for everyone to see you've done a done a great job and I wish you all the best with um, what's about to happen in your life and uh, yeah, we'll catch up around the traps at some time. Thanks a lot.
2: Definitely. Thanks so much, Randy. Thanks,
1: Chris. thanks
0: very much, Dockey. Really appreciate your time and and, yeah, good luck for the rest of the West Coast Classic, which we didn't even get time to speak about, but I'm sure you, you, you look like you're on track for finals, so good luck with that. And, obviously, even even more, good luck for the baby.
2: Yeah, thank you. I'm not sure whether we're going to make finals, but it's been definitely a learning curve for us. Mm. So. But, yeah, no, definitely the baby's the excitement at the moment, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much. Really appreciate your time.
3: Thank you, guys. Thanks, Doggy. See ya. Welcome back to SBR
0: Around, and I hope you all enjoyed that chat that we had with Diana Black. I mean, she just had such an amazing story in basketball, but as you can see now that life's changing for, for her and Steve in a whole new way as well. So there's plenty going on in her life and it was a lot of fun to catch up with her and, and I hope for you, Randy, it was a good chance to catch up with her in a lot more of a relaxed environment than being opposition
1: coaches. Yeah, no, it was, it was good, a good um, chat actually. I really like the uh, Russian story yeah, or the yeah. Siberian story yeah. I mean what an experience that would have been yeah, so.
0: yeah. from from the paradise she was at at an <laughs> island in in Portugal to yeah. to the to the the isolation and the and the the horrible conditions in Siberia would have been quite a lot to deal with so yeah I hope you all enjoyed listening to that now let's get into round five in the west coast classic Randy Friday night this is, uh, this is the third time I think we've had a Friday night game game in Eton. I'm not, still not sold on it. I feel for the Lakeside Lightning girls who are having to get down there in time for the game, but it is what it is. So the Southwest Slammers and the Lakeside Lightning.
1: Yeah, well, I think I worked out that Lightning are probably going to have to leave around 2.30 mm. to get down there to a reasonable hour. it would be yeah. a two-hour drive or, you know. So, yeah, yeah tough, tough on a Friday night. But um, uh, Lakeside need to rebound and get themselves back into the top four, so they, yeah. they'll, they'll win this game.
0: Then at Wally Hagen Stadium, interesting game because Coburn Cougars are now on the board. They take on a fresh Warwick Senators who had the bye last week.
1: Yep, I'll go for the Senators. Um, I was just looking at their games played; they've actually only played three games, yeah. so they must be going to get a run of games here soon. But yeah, they'll 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 win this game.
0: Yeah, I think their men have already played both the Giants and the and the Bucks, so yep. that, that that's why the women have played a couple of less. Um, yeah, the Senators for me in that one as well, and Lakeside in the first game. Um, this one's an interesting one. Both of these teams, um, only the one win on the board so far. So at
1: Herb Graham Recreation Centre, the East Perth Eagles and Willerton Tigers. Yeah, I think this will be a, a really close game. I think Willerton, just like I mentioned, need to get some consistency in, the, in, the, in their game. And East Perth showed in that game against the Flames that they're more than competitive. So mm. yeah, it should be a really good game. I'll go for uh, Willerton in a tight game.
0: Yeah, I think the Tigers as well. Last game of the night. This should be a real, a real, a real good one. Perry Lakes Hawks and the Rockingham Flames.
1: Yeah, this will be this will be good. The Flames are in a bit of form, and also the Hawks have turned it around a bit yep. too. They started a little slow, but I think they might be three, three in a row or something like that now. Mm. So I'm going to go for the Hawks to upset the Flames and give them their first loss at home.
0: Hey, I'll stick with Rockingham, just um, undefeated so far. And I was speaking to Keegan Crawford after the game last weekend. They haven't lost a game in a very long time. No. like It's probably not a massive winning streak. It might only be a seven or eight game winning streak, but they haven't lost a game in almost a whole
1: year. Yeah, and it becomes, you know, when you start getting on rolls like that, you've just um, got so much confidence in your teammates.
0: Saturday, first up at Belmont Oasis, Perth
1: Redbacks and the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, tough tough, um, turnaround for the Slammers to head back up the road again on a Saturday night. So um, I think the Redbacks will just have too much size for them.
0: Yeah, and the Redbacks are fresh as well. They don't have yep. a game on Friday, so the Redbacks for me as well. Then two more teams backing it up, Rockingham Flames hosting the
1: Willerton Tigers. Yeah, I think uh, the Flames will bounce back after suffering their first loss. They'll, um, they'll be too, too tough for Willerton in this one.
0: Yeah, I, I think Rockingham too. Another interesting one, Um Calamari Sons. Suns. Coming off a really good win. Um, and this is their only game of the weekend. They are at home to the Coburn Cougars.
1: Yeah, the Suns for me, I think they'll continue. Um, you know, they'll get a lot have we'll got a lot of confidence out of that win mm. against the Lightning and they're, they're home. You know, they're a lot better team there, so I'll pick the Suns. Yeah, I think
0: Calamunda as well. Sunday, we've got a, a rare Sunday game, at least for the women's competition. We've got the Warwick Sanders at home to the Perth Redbacks.
1: Yeah, I reckon this is the game of the the round. This one, sure. um, they seem to match up quite well, particularly in in the height and yep. and the you know. I just think if you look at the players on both both teams, there's going to be some really really good matchups. You know, like uh, I'll I'll go with the Senators.
0: Interesting one. I don't think the Redbacks have an answer for Stacey Barr, but I don't know if the Senators have an answer for Matty Allen. So that makes things pretty pretty interesting. Did you go, Senators? Yep, I'll go the opposite just to mix things up.
1: So the red backs for me. Just to mix things up, you're seven in front of me. I so want to give
0: you a chance, Randy. <laughs> after after last week, you had a you had a bad Friday night. You went one of three on the Friday night. I went three of three on the Friday night. So yep. all of a sudden, after four weeks, I'm 24. You're 17.
1: Gee. I- just a couple of these teams are letting me down, <laughs> like the Lightning. Who would have thought they would have lost yeah. two games? But anyway, it's good for the competition. It is. Uh, it's just not good for our tipping. We won't need to be a bit closer. Don't
0: we? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm happy with where it sits right now. <laughs> um, so there we go. Get out to a game in round five if you can. Three three days worth of of action in the West Coast Classic. So make sure you go and tune tune, tune into that. Um, been a really enjoyable show once again. Thanks to Diana Black for joining us, and well done to obviously Taya Burrows of the Rockingham Flames for winning the Wandering Distillery Player of the Week. Now if anyone wants to know more about Wandering Distillery and their great support of us here at SBL Shootaround Randy, what can you tell them?
1: Well they're located in Ladner Street in O'Connor and um, if you give Wade a call on 0439 three nine-131-236, you can speak to him about organising a day down there, Mm -hmm. um, have a meal and some tastings and stuff and just jump on the website and check them out, and uh, there might be something there that takes your fancy.
0: Yeah, absolutely, will be. And thanks so much to them for their support here on SBL Shoot Around, and also to Bassett Scarf Realty, our very first supporters here on SBL Shoot Around. Um, they're the best in the business when you need any sort of property taken care of in the in the Peel region. They're they're the leaders of the of the real estate game in Mandurah. So Bassett Scarf Realty will take care of all of your needs if you're looking to move home down in that way if you're looking to make the move down south so check them out at Bassettscarf.com.au. yeah it's been a lot of fun this week Randy I'm really enjoying what we're putting together here on SBL Shootaround but I'll sign off for another week I'm Chris Pike and it's time for you to leave us with some of your what are becoming your famous wise words <laughs>
1: I was at a barbecue yesterday with some friends of mine, and they've been, you know, a few of them travelled from Mandra to Perth, so they've been tuning into the podcast. Okay. And they actually said to me that we need to bring a bit more humour into the okay. show. And they said that we're a bit, a bit serious, and okay. we need to loosen up a little bit. And I thought, okay, so it got me thinking about what are some of the funniest things I've seen, you know, happen on a basketball court. And uh, there was two things that jumped out at me today when I was thinking about it. An old coach of mine, Jeff Williamson, who's his birthday today, he's 66, so he listens to this show all the way over in Queensland, so oh. I'll shout him out. Um, in 92, we were warming up in a game against East Perth, and um, we'd finished our warm-up, and Jeff was nowhere to be seen. So five, min- five minutes into our warm-up, it had been ejected. Oh. By the referees. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And I was like, and <laughs> had even started the game and uh, our, our coach had uh, been thrown out of the stadium. What so. did he do? Um, I think he had a bit of a personal um, <laughs> thing going on with one of the umpires. Wow. So, yeah, I can't remember who the umpire was. Maybe Peter Lucas or <laughs> someone like that. But uh, that was quite funny. And then there was another game we were playing in, in Kalgoorlie and if people have been to Kalgoorlie, it's a little bit similar to Willerton where the wall – is quite yeah. close to you know the back yep. of the basket there. Well, um, that's where the men's toilet is,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we used to have this uh, mascot which was dressed up as a lizard, okay. and um, <clears throat> he he just waited for the right time and he'd just come out of the men's toilet, but he happened to tuck a roll of toilet paper <laughs> in the back of his um, <laughs> shorts there, so he looked like it had been you know stuck. Mm-hmm. So I think CJ Jackson might have even been on the free throw line. So as CJ was taking his uh, free throws. Um, this lizard just wobbled past along the wall with this uh, trail of toilet paper coming out of his uh, backside. So, yeah, everyone cracked up, the crowd cracked up, all the players on the court cracked up. So, yeah, it's those funny times.
0: Well, there we go. Now we can have some of the funny words from Randy Meagle to close each show.
1: Yeah, well, if anyone else has got any, you know, funny things they can, maybe we should throw that in a yeah, regular. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, questions for for our guests and try and bring a bit of humor because that's what the boys have said we're not funny enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if anyone knows Randy Meagle, he's not he's not short on cracking a gag, so I'm sure we'll have no problem f- on fulfilling that request from now on.
1: Yeah. No worries. Thanks very much everyone for listening and look forward to next week.